and one of the things I love about real estate is you really, everything's been done. There's nothing new in real estate. You, all you gotta do is find, figure out what you wanna do, find someone else who's already doing that at the level uh, at or above you want to and copy what they're doing, right? Yep. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, I've got Andrew Cushman. Andrew, how are you doing today? Ah, not too bad. Good to be here. All right. Well, thanks for joining me. A little bit about Andrew. He's a former chemical engineer who found his entrepreneurial calling in real estate. And in 2007, great timing, by the way, Andrew left his corporate position to start a business in real estate investments. And he would start off flipping houses, flipping houses uh, in Southern California. And in 2011, transitioned to multifamily acquisitions. Now uh, he's successfully syndicated and repositioned over 1,800 units and um, all kinds of some awesome. You're a ski instructor too, which is awesome. That's near and dear to my heart. Uh, love backcountry ski. That's so cool. So maybe we can get into that too. But uh, oh yeah, I could talk about that all day. I know. I I could I could too. Like uh, like I'm dreaming right now of going skiing. So you know. Uh, so so give our listeners a little bit more about your background. Like you you left corporate position and uh, probably if if you're a chemical engineer, probably making a couple bucks. So t- like take us through the, your journey a little bit, and then we'll dive in. Yeah. So, you know, when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I just, I had no idea how yeah. uh, I didn't know what that was going to be. Um, and so I figured, well, if I get a chemical engineering degree, when I go to college, uh, I'll, you know, I did like chemistry and I liked problem solving and math and all that. So I said, well, if I get a chemical engineering degree, I'll always be able to find a job. I'll at least be able to tolerate it and uh, it'll have a, a decent, you know, a decent salary. So I got the chemical engineering degree, ended up uh, working for a large food company for about seven and a half years. Uh, I got married along the way. My wife kind of had the same idea of, you know, it'd be nice to have our own business. So we tried all kinds of other things, vending and making popcorn and reselling things and all that. And kind of realized that every one of those was just another version of a job. Uh, and especially in a living in a litigious state like California, I'm like, man, we're, someone's going to break a tooth on a popcorn kernel and come <laughs> sue us because, you know, they don't know, they don't know how to chew and swallow properly. Right. Um, and, uh, anyway, so then one day we, I saw an article in the wall street journal about this guy flipping houses and just happened to pick it, you know, take it home. And we kind of read that. And then the person that he had learned from, we went and researched and said, Hey, we could do this. So. We actually uh, bought a bought a CD back when CDs were a thing. Yeah, I and, remember driving uh, <laughs> around with the, the. I remember driving around with the tape decks, putting the tape deck in my. Car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we bought a CD course when and that was like the the greatest technology, and started doing it and realized, well, this is pretty actually pretty difficult. So we went and she she used to hold as a local not a, not like a full guru, but like a kind of she she did classes of like twelve people in Sacramento, California. And uh, so we went up and took that class and then uh, I was not originally good at it. So it took me, uh, uh, you know, we were called pre- we were cold calling people in foreclosure and it took me 4,576 phone calls and six months of doing that 
to finally get our first deal. But when we did, when we flipped it, um, we made about as much as I did all year at my chemical engineering job. Um, so I said, all right, we said, this is it. What, there's no better, you know, we don't have the kids yet. And if we're going to do it, let's do it. So I quit, went full-time. My wife quit two years later, went full-time. And then we realized, hey, you know, flipping's great, but you're only as good as your last deal. You make a buck and then you've got nothing to show for it. Not, not that it's a bad thing, but I mean, it's a great way to earn a living and, and you know, have your own business. But we wanted something that lasted a little bit longer. And so we said, oh, well, hey, apartments, uh, you know, if you, you know, you have, you get monthly cash flow. And then also everyone was back then, everyone was getting evicted. And so they weren't going to be able to buy a house or foreclosed on. They weren't going to buy a house for another seven to 10 years. And we had a huge recession, which means we're probably going to have a long expansion. So uh, people can't buy houses and we're going to have an expansion, which those two things told us apartments would do well. So we uh, kind of did the same thing. We went and found someone to learn the game from. Our first deal was 92 mostly vacant units on the other side of the country in wow. Macon, Georgia, which I would not recommend you do that as your first deal. No, that's crazy. And uh, especially the, the mostly vacant part. Yeah. And uh, 1,800 years, 1,800 years, <laughs> 1,800 <laughs> units uh, later, uh, here we are uh, in the business full time. And it's, it's been a, a great, uh, great business and a great ride. And uh, we certainly enjoy it. So. That's that's good. That's good. Let's unpack that a little bit. First of all, congratulations on doing forty five hundred plus cold calls. Like that is nuts. That's insane. How, how there's so many people that would have just given up after the first, you know, four hundred and fifty cold calls. I mean, <laughs> you threw another zero on that, and just he just kept on going. What like what motivated you to keep going instead of stopping at four hundred fifty or a thousand or twenty five hundred? Like, why did you keep going? Well, we really saw this as our fl- at the time flipping um, as our exit from the W two world. Uh, I am you know, I'm a former engineer, and it, it's kind of stereotyping myself, but I'm not the guy who's going to create the next greatest app. And, and, you know, and six months later, sell it for a billion dollars to Google or Apple or whatever. I mean, that's, that's not my thing. Uh, I, and one of the things I love about real estate is you really, everything's been done. There's nothing new in real estate. You, all you gotta do is find, figure out what you want to do, find someone else who's already doing that at the level at or above you want to and copy what they're doing. Right. So that's what I loved about real estate. And so I said, well, look, I know this system works. And I know I want to quit my job. So it's simply a matter of me persisting long enough to get good enough at it so that it works for me, right? I'm the problem here, not the system, not the real estate. If I just, if I persist long enough to get good at it, then we're good. So that's that's why. And I started off not very good at it. So it just took a long time. <laughs> you know, you said something there that is just so true. I met many things, but you said, I'm the problem here. You, you realize that it wasn't necessarily the system that was broken. It was like, you just needed to get better at it. You just needed to make another thousand calls. You needed to keep on pushing on. And eventually you'd get those deals. You knew they were coming to you. You just need to get better at what you did, needed to stay consistent with it and, and push on. I think that's where so many people break down, right? Is they go, I want to get into multifamily real estate. I'm going to buy my first hundred unit uh, apartment or 20 unit, whatever it is. And they get discouraged and they give up after six or 12 months and they don't 
continue to push on. They don't continue to go to where maybe it takes 18, maybe it even takes 24 months. But if you are consistent enough and you're persistent, you're going to get that, the deal done if you follow the proven strategy. Like, like you said, it's not like real estate is not just like just invented yesterday. It's not some crazy, you know, we don't, you don't have to make a new tech app right? You just have no. to follow somebody's direction. Maybe you can make a little tweak on it, right? To make it a little bit better, but that's just tweaks. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, call, I call it R&D, right? So in the corporate world, R&D yeah. is research and development. And I, to me, I say R&D stands for rip off and duplicate, right? <laughs> not, in a, not in a malicious way, because right. there's plenty of real estate for everybody, but you just go learn what somebody else is already doing and go duplicate it. Like yep. you don't have to really figure anything out other than your own internal systems. Um, and that's, that's one of the things I love about it. So. Do you still flip houses? Well, um, not really. I, it's probably been several for a couple of years. We, we would maybe do one or two a year. If someone yeah. like we actually had a, this, this happened. Um, uh, this is happened where we have someone who would call us and they, they, they held on to a letter we sent them for like six years, right? They pulled it out of the drawer yeah. and they're like, you sent this to us in, in, in 2010 <laughs> and, I'm, and we're like, we want to sell now. And it's like, well, okay, sure. Fine. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've done maybe one or two a year over the, over the years. And I think the last one was two or three years ago. I think it, I think the, the, the life, the lifespan of our old mailers has finally petered out. So. <laughs> So no, no more flips. That's good. Um, you know, let, let's talk about like getting into this business. Uh, and I normally don't hit that on, on this show, but I want to a little bit here because you went from flipping and then all of a sudden you're about this 92 unit vacant, mostly vacant apartment complex, which by, by the way, is just crazy in itself. Like, I don't know. I, I, I would, I would yell at you if I was like mentoring you for the first deal. I'd be like, you're stu- this is the stupidest thing you could do, but Hey, you, it worked uh, out. It worked out. You're, you know, you're still I, here. <laughs> no, that's, that's the funny thing is I had a mentor that um, who's a great mentor and actually is now a business partner. We've done like six deals together. And I look back on that and I, I, I kind of want to like, man, what were you thinking? Tell giving me the green light on that thing. Yeah, like, I'm glad you let me I'm do that. We survived. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great though. But you're here. Yeah. You know, you're, you're survived it that, that's good uh, uh it worked out but you know let's let's talk to the listeners and they're wanting to buy that first 92 unit or or 50 unit or whatever that might be you know like take us back what did you how did you find capital for it like what what did you do to prep yourself for that uh not enough candidly but um, we, you know, when we decided we wanted to get into multifamily, we kind of did, we, we did, took did a similar thing as we did for the single family flipping. So for single family, uh, partly because I wasn't so good at it, we had a coach, right? So, you know, I, I'd make phone calls all week and then I'd get on the phone with him and be like, okay, here's how it went. What would have you have said? And, you know, like that kind of thing. And so when we wanted to get into apartments, we actually asked him, so, hey, do you know anybody who's in the apartment world? And, and he's like, actually, I do. And he connected us with a guy who at the time he had bought like 800 units. And so we hired him. And um, so he kind of, you know, he was, he was guiding us along and we, um, you know, as far as like finding the deal, we just said, okay, what are some markets that we think are going to do well going forward? And we kind of like Georgia and, you know, North Florida and the Carolinas, and that's still where we are today. 
And we just literally got on LoopNet, which is the commercial version, or at the time was the commercial version of the residential MLS. It's not a place you go to find good deals usually, but it is a good, a good place to go find if you're completely new to a market and you don't know yeah. who the brokers are and who, who's, who's listing properties. It's a good place to start to at least find some people to call. And, right? and to practice and we, analyzing deals too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, because the best way to find a good deal is to look at a thousand bad ones, right? Yeah. Because then when that, then when the really good one hits your inbox, you'll recognize it in about yep. five seconds. Yep. And, and yeah, you just develop a gut instinct. Um, and then you go verify it with the numbers. So we got on LoopNet. We found this, you know, we, we started, we literally found it. It, it, it had the time it had this cool map feature where you could literally just kind of, as you, we, you just scroll around and the listings would pop up. So we started in Atlanta and followed the freeways out and we came down to Macon, Georgia, and we realized there's just one at the time, this one particular broker controlled like 80% of the properties in Macon. And, uh, you know, so we started talking with him, and one day he brought us this property. And uh, on, on a spreadsheet, it looked amazing. And uh, our mentor actually was in, had gone through town and toured it and said, yeah, you know, I think it, look, think it looks okay. Which again, I'm not, these days I'm like, man, you know, I don't know about that one. But uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, so, so we, we, it was 92 units. And this, just to give you an idea of, of pricing at the time, it was 92 units. We bought that for $699,500. Six hundred ninety-nine thousand five hundred dollars. So like wow. seven thousand dollars, something seventy-five hundred dollars, yeah. or something crazy like that. And uh, we, um, what did we uh, the, the the renovation budget was basically as much as the purchase price, which is still and, nothing. Yeah, and so for all in, we needed one point two million, which of course we did not have. Yeah. And so we went out to syndicate that, and we said, hey, we've got some investors from our single family business, and. Um, we had two people that each had said they wanted to put in 400 grand. So we thought we were two thirds of the way there. turns out one of those guys never had it and eventually declared bankruptcy. And then the other guy, he wanted to be a full on partner. And we're like, that's a different game. We're not here for that. So that was one mistake we made is we did not fully invet, fully vet our investors. Yeah. Um, and so it took us six agonizing months to raise all the 1.2. And they stuck with the sellers stuck with you through that time. Well, fortunately, um, we had built in automatic extensions into the wow. contract, meaning if we deposited another $15,000 of deposit, we would automatically, that could buy us 15 more days. And we had, we had three, we had three of those built in the contract. So we automatically had 45 days built in and then Part of one of the things about the re the renovation is you don't do the renovation all day one. So sure. we actually we actually raised the, we got it closed and then we kept, and we kept raising continue. after we closed. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and it, was that an all cash purchase then because of the? Condition? It was because yeah. it was in such bad shape. And then in 2011, it just they, wasn't the lenders. The lo the loans weren't there, which is part of why the pricing was at rock bottom is because there was no, their lending was almost, you know, completely shut down for that type of thing. And you, you had to go buy cash. So. I liked it. The investor story, cause very similar thing happened to me on my first deal. I thought it was going to be really easy to raise the capital. I had a couple investors tell me I had one investor says, you know, he's got $300,000. He's going to invest. I think he, he ended up investing, but I think he ended up investing like 30,000 or $50,000 or something like that. I had another investor that's like, yeah, I've got a million dollars. I'm ready to roll. Uh, I want to put a bunch of capital in and uh, your stuff sounds exciting. Uh, went to him and he invested nothing. 
And so I was very similar. I thought, oh, this is going to be really easy. You know, I've got all this money. People are just ready to pour into my deals. And all of a sudden between two investors that I think are going to like, that's going to be all I need. They put in like 50 grand total, you know? And so very similar. Um, You got to make sure you understand and really know who your investors are versus just assuming. And it sounds like both of us kind of did the same thing. Both assumed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So... So tell me that is is there a happy story at the end of this uh, 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 deal here? There is. I mean, we 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 did get it turned around, and um, you know, it was a C minus property in a, in, a, in a C in a C minus neighborhood, uh, which for a variety of reasons we we would never do anymore. Yeah. Uh, but when we bought it, it was collecting. The guy was collecting eight thousand dollars a month. When we sold it, it was we were collecting like thirty four thousand a month, so like four something nice. times. It was still a low income area, so not you know not yeah. high rents. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we bought it for six ninety nine, and I think we sold it for 1.7, it was 1.7 something. Okay. Um, so, you know, it wasn't a home run, but it was profitable and, uh, we learned a lot and I, I don't regret it for, because, you know, without doing that, we wouldn't, you know, yeah. wouldn't be here today with another 1700 plus units. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so it does, it does have a happy ending and it's, it's interesting is the next deal we bought on the other side of the town, we actually still own it. And uh, I think we've pulled out and returned like 260 or 70% of the capital. Oh, that's great. It. And it still sits there in cash flows. So uh, yeah, we, we, we learned our lessons and, and adapted and, and uh, adjusted accordingly. So, well, and that's what, it, that's what it takes. Look, I mean, sometimes you get into a deal and it's not exactly what you imagined, or maybe you shouldn't have potentially gotten that deal, but you're going to learn a lot from it along the way. And, um, and that's what it sounds like you guys did. So that's, that's great. Uh, I guess along those lines, we talked about some mistakes already, but let's, let's talk about what's a big mistake that you've made or a mistake that you've made and how have you learned from it? What can you like teach our audience about that? Yeah, there's, there's some common ones that I've made and that, that I see still happening a lot today. One is, going for rough assets and rough areas mm, yes. and, and, and almost everybody starts with those for two reasons. One, uh, they look better on a spreadsheet, meaning, you know, the, because the pricing is lower and, and because supposedly the rents are so much farther below market and the company, all these other things, it's really easy for Excel to spit out a, a high you know, rate of return on, on assets like that. The second reason most people, again, myself included, start there is it's easier to get those deals. There's fewer people looking at them uh, and uh, the, they, they tend to be priced cheaper. Right. So as a new person, it's like, well, let's see, it's good. That's going to be easier for me to buy a $3 million deal versus a 5 million. Right. Or, or you know, three versus 10 or, or whatever that might be. So that was one mistake was going into rough properties and rough areas. And it's not that you, you can make a lot of money on a rough property, but you can't in, because you can turn around a rough property. You can, but you can't turn around the neighborhood. Right. And you, you can only bring the property up to the level of the neighborhood. And if you try to bring the property above the neighborhood, the neighborhood will tear it back down. Uh, and I've, I've had 
that literal experience happen, um, you know, uh, on some of those very early properties in rough areas. So that's a mistake uh, that, that I made and I see common. The second one we already kind of talked about is, is vetting your investors. And, and really what kind of goes hand in hand with that is re overly relying on a, on a couple of particular investors. Um, now, if it's somebody that's been, you know, investing with you in another business for 10 years or as a family member or something like that, that might be a little bit different. Uh, but, you know, if you're trying to raise a million dollars and you've got two people you met a couple months ago that are coming in for 80% of it, that's a huge risk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, essentially what you want to do is you want to have, you know, 40 people who are all saying they're going to give you 50 grand each, right, which is 2 million. And then you know that, um, and then, you know, that when it comes time to write the check, especially when you're first getting going, half of those aren't going to actually do it. So now you're down to the 1 million. So I always tell people early on, always get, always quote, raise double what you, what you actually need. So if you need yeah. 2 million, shoot your, shoot, make your target, you know, 4 million, because a lot of people won't perform. And then some just get cold feet. Other, other people, you know, life happens, right? Oh, grandma needs, you know, we need to move her to a home and I got to spend the money on that or whatever it might be, right? Stuff happens. So overraise. Now, once you get established, you don't need to do that so much um, or, or even at all. So that's one. And then the second is just underestimating renovations and kind of a corollary to that, which is a big no-no, is saying, oh, I'm going to do renovations from cash flow. That is that's a recipe huge. for disaster. Yes, yeah. yes. Yes, if you're sitting here trying to passively invest in people's deals, you're listening to this, please don't invest in those. <laughs> that deal no, is definitely we're, not. We're going to be taking the cash flow because look at our beautiful cash flow. We're going to, but that, and that's what people, I, I wholeheartedly agree with all three of those and, and the starting in the rough areas. And so many, like you said, it, it's like it, the spreadsheet makes it look amazing, right? But that's the mm -hmm. trick of those deals, right? The C class, the D class, like, those deals. And, and plus the brokers are telling you this, you know, oh, this is what you can do. Look at this is amazing. They did it to, they renovated these three units and you can just take this model and do it. Well, sure. It happened with three units for two months, but can it happen for all hundred units for five years? Right. It, it, yeah. The answer is probably no. Right. But the pro forma looks really good. So we go, okay, uh, let's buy this thing. Cause it looks pro, pro forma is Latin for lie. So, right. Right. And, that, and that's, yeah. So it's, uh, I, I like those. I mean, those are great. That's some great tips for people to really stay out of muddy water. Um, what you, you've, you've been successful. You were successful in the flipping business. You transitioned into the uh, multifamily syndication business. And, you know, obviously you've built a, a, a pretty solid company, 1800 plus units. Um, so kudos to that what's been some of the key success habits that you guys have implemented that you think uh, run to your success? You know, well, I mean, this gets back to getting started, but one is just is relentless persistence. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's one of the phrases that, uh, that you'll hear me say a lot is no deal is better than a bad deal. And having the discipline to not do deals just because we feel like we need or want to. Yeah. So um, and, and yeah. 
Yeah. So, so, so many people then, are doing that, right? Uh, and, oh, geez. I, I see so much stuff getting done because they can do it, not because they should. Yeah. And, and, and also, you know, some some other people also have different investment goals or to have different capital needs. You know, if, if you have right. capital that only needs a 6% return for you know the next 10 years, then yeah, and, and you, that's far easier to do that. Right. So you can yeah. maybe pay more or maybe you've got a 1031 exchange. OK, yeah, it makes sense for you. You can pay more for that deal or, you know, but it gets more into just, you know, crazy assumptions that have worked for the last five years, but might be a little bit continue. more questionable. Yeah. yeah. At, the, at this point in time. Um, so that relentless persistence and just having the discipline. Um, one thing that I did recently that I wish I would have done far earlier is um, started expanding um our core team and and del and delegating uh some of the you know some of the just the the stuff that is involved in in running a business and you know looking at uh hundreds and hundreds of deals i mean if you're one person you can only look at so many of those you, know, you only have so many hours in the day and so that is something i wish i would have done earlier was bring on more team members uh, we did bring on a manager like an office manager admin person uh six or seven years ago but i didn't we didn't bring on uh acquisitions and asset management people until probably about a year and a half almost two years ago and that's been very that's been transformative it's uh it's really helped us improve our systems and, and a lot of aspects of the business and so that's something that again i, I wish i would have done you know years earlier so yeah, yeah, I, I can't agree more with that. Uh, expanding your team, man, it's you think. I think a, a lot of us is just in in our habit, right, or in our nature to like think we can do it ourselves, and we don't want to bring other people in. Or, you know, part part of me sometimes too is like, oh, I don't want. Am I ready to bring somebody in because I don't want them to not be busy enough? And uh, you know, so you hold back and wait when you should have pushed forward. You should have got that person in. Yeah. Well, and what I found too is, is like once you have somebody who's as long as you've made a good hire yeah. uh, or a good add to the team, you will, you know, and they show up and they have, you know, the right, the fit and the attitude and the approach is you'll find, oh, wait, this person can do this and this, they right. can do this. And, or, and they, and many, and, and the couple of people that we brought on, they keep finding stuff like, hey, you know, we could be doing this. I'm like, that's a great idea. Or like, oh, I've been wanting to do that for five years. Um, so it kind of it, it kind of fills the void uh, if you if you bring on the right person. And then also, I would say, you know, a lot of people listening are probably like, you know, that's great with 1800 units or whatever, but I'm just trying to get my first one. You know, I'm not hiring salary. And that that's absolutely correct. But keep in mind, you know, adding to your team can be as simple as getting a virtual assistant for 10 hours a week. Uh, it can be you know, maybe it can be partnering with somebody who has skills and resources that maybe you don't or don't have as well, right? So there's different ways to to grow your team without just saying, okay, I'm going to start paying this person $90,000 a year, even though I can't afford it. And I would also say, is even if that is the route that for whatever reason you feel you need to go, keep in mind, that's only a commitment for a certain amand of months, right? It's not, you don't write someone a check for 90 grand and then they're going to work for you for 12 months. You're, you typically pay bi-weekly or monthly or whatever. Um, so that was, that was definitely a, a, a 
self-imposed limitation that I had of what it looks like to build a team in my head. I had to, you know, add all these big salaries every time I wanted somebody. And that's not really how it works. It can work that way, but it doesn't have to. Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, I, you know, don't, when you, if you're, if you're sitting there listening to this saying, Oh, I'm just trying to get my first deal or get my second deal or whatever. Yeah. You don't have to go hire a C-suite executive team. You can find partners, virtual assistants, admin people, uh, and, and do it, do it bit by bit. So. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great advice. There's so many people out there and, and you, the, the key I think is you, you have to start hiring before you think you're a hundred percent ready. You just have to. And, and, you know, I get a lot of questions for people who have full-time jobs and oh, how do I do it? And it's like, well, if you start delegating some of that stuff, if you start hiring that VA to do X, Y, and Z, now you have time, right? They've already underwritten the deal and they only send you the good ones. Not, not yes. you, <laughs> right? you cut, you cut out 85, 90%, maybe even more of the junk. And now you're left with 10% to look at. Now, now you have three deals to look at and that's it. Big difference. <laughs> And that helps your, that helps your ability to persist too. Cause let me tell you, yeah. it gets frustrating for me. I'm like, okay, this yeah. is literally the 275th property we've looked at. So that, that doesn't work. So when n- number 276 hits my inbox, I don't get excited. I'm just like, great. I'm going to waste another 30 minutes another looking one. at this, you know? Yeah. So when, 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 when you get to the point where, where you can change things up so that no, if, if it's getting passed up to me, it at least has potential that, that, that helps your, your morale and your ability yeah. to persist. So. Yeah. Cause I mean, you got to look at a lot of deals. Like you said uh, earlier, I mean, you've got to look at, I don't know what the number you said earlier, but you, you know, you're, you're looking at a thousand deals to get one. I mean, that's just how it is. You're going to look at a lot of deals just to get one. And if you think you're going to find a deal by looking at five, well, good luck. You know, you're, you're, probably going to be overpaying for, <laughs> yeah, for the pro forma. I, yeah. I mean, oh no, yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, you know, you, you can get a deal on your first, on your, on your first call. If you, if you're willing to, if you're willing to pay certain prices. So. Right, right. Right. What, um, what's, what's a favorite, uh, we're going to shift completely here. What's a, what's a favorite book that you can recommend to our listeners? Uh, it's, it's popped up a lot lately, but it, it is a really good one, especially if you're, you know, doing to me, to me are kind of high stakes negotiations on multifamily. And that's, uh, never split the difference. The oh, Chris like book. Boss's book that came out. Yeah. Uh, I actually have reviewed that probably four or five times this year. Uh, I've, you know, made notes and highlighted stuff. And then I would combine that with and this is this is the book that I read and that was critical to us breaking into the single family flipping business was Jim Camp's Start With No. Hmm. Uh, it came out right around 2000, I think, or something like that. But actually, Jim, Chris Voss references that book a lot in his book. So the, the two go uh, the two go together very, very well. And th- those are the ones I would recommend. And then a third is another real old one, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, one of my favorites. All of this, whether, whether you're talking about talking you know whether you're dealing directly with owners brokers contractors property management people it's all relationship based um the spreadsheet is critical but it's actually a small part of the business it's really relationship based well 100 percent. you know you and you just hit like the very tip of the iceberg you know dealing with your brokers deal but you know you got to 
you're dealing with the property managers, you're dealing with your contractors, you're dealing with the on-site staff. You, you've got to make sure you're building those relationships and keeping them strong. And you've got to be able to have your vision match their vision or what they what they're think your vision is. And that's, I find a lot of people get that wrong, myself included. Like I just assume people want to do what I want to do at the property, but I haven't even told them what I want to do. And, or maybe I have <laughs> kind of, you know, like one day I said kind of what I want to do, but we haven't really gone into detail. I haven't, it's not even written down and I just have to, I just somehow assume that they can see what my brain is envisioning and they're going to follow through. And then, and then you get mad when they don't do it. And it's like, well, how, how short-sighted are we sometimes by just assuming that? So those, those books are great for really helping you understand some of that stuff. Definitely. So uh, how do you like to give back? Um, we, we support, uh, you know, I'm not really good at giving back with, with time, um, but we financially support a lot, uh, a, a pretty good array of, of charities, um, both world, worldwide and uh, local, um, large, some, you know, some through our church, others just that we've connect, gotten connected with or, or met um, over, over time. And I do want to give a shout out to um, uh, Tim, Tim Rode, one of our early mentors. He, uh, he started a, a charity called One Life Fully Lived. And basically, you know, what they do is, is like the financial um, wisdom that, you know, people like you and I have, have learned and gained over the years. He brings that to um, like inner city high school kids so that they can see that, yeah, you know, not everyone gets to start from the same place, but and it's not not some people it's easier than others, but everyone can learn this stuff and everyone can improve from where they are. And he brings like all the stuff that like you and I know and have experienced and have had success with. He brings that to people who uh, might not otherwise get those opportunities and get exposed to that and, and makes a, you know, makes a big impact on, on people. So. Yeah. That's, that's really cool because just that one life, like that's affected, right? You just, you just, that one life that gets affected that person that says, wow, like I don't have to continue in this this, uh, you know, avenue that I am right mm -hmm. now, like I can go this different direction. Somebody inspired that person to go a different, that, that's really cool. Um, definitely changes. I'm sure changes many people's lives. Well, love it. Yep. And by the way, you're giving back right now by being on this podcast. So that's awesome too. You know, I, you're right. I just, everyone says that. So I'm like, well, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's great. That's good stuff. Good stuff. I think that's uh, one of my goals missions is to make, uh, you know, just to do a lot of positive impact that the most, most we can in this world. And it's great to hear what other people are doing as well. So everybody, everybody does it their own way and, and has yep. their own process and it's, it's, it's fantastic. So, um, so I got one last question before we wrap up and uh, last question, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Have good offense, good defense, and then enjoy and enjoy the game. Oh, I love them. I love them. Nobody said that to me before. That's good stuff. Yeah. So, so offense is how are you creating wealth and how are you bringing it in? Right. Are you flipping? Are you excelling at your W 2 job? Um, are you buying multifamily? Are you starting a business? 
you know, whatever that might be and getting really good at what your offensive position is, right? Yeah. So offense is going out and creating wealth and creating income and bringing it in. Defense is holding on to it, right? Not, you know, spending wisely, investing wisely, uh, because, you know, I mean, you, you, we've all met the person who makes a half million dollars a year and they're broke right. and they're, they're paycheck right. to paycheck, right? Yeah. That's good offense and poor defense, poor defense, which, which leads to a losing game. Right. And then enjoy the game, meaning, um, you stop along the way. Like now, Todd, you were just saying, you just said, forget it. We can go spend a few weeks in Florida, right? Uh, enjoying, you know, taking the time along the way to enjoy the fruits of your labor and, and the benefits of, of what you brought in and sharing it with others. And, um, you know, like we, I, I don't know if, um, if, if, this was, if we hit record or not yet, but we talked about, you know, I, you know, we both love to ski, you know, I love to surf, things like that. Um, you know, take the time to, as Stephen Coven, Covey, I think would put it, I think it was him, says sharpen the saw, right? And, you know, because there's, there's no guarantee that any of us has tomorrow. Um, so yeah, we want to plan for the long run, but, but stop and enjoy along the way, so. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So, so good stuff, man. Andrew really enjoyed this conversation. Could probably keep on talking to you for a long time. Uh, but really, uh, you know, appreciate you first of all, just sharing and inspiring your story. I loved hearing the 45 plus hundred letters that are, are calls that you made just to get that first deal. That's awesome. <laughs> amazing. Of course, I love hearing the story of you buying uh, a 92 unit, basically vacant building that that's just uh, wild and so happy. It actually worked out for you and you're still like here and, and not, yeah. like back to your W2 job. That, that, uh... <laughs> Uh, that first deal is part of why I started going gray about that time, but it's all right. It was, it's a good, it was worth it. It was worth it. But look, it, it shows what you talk to us about and just that relentless, um, you know, persistence and consistent effort um, that just that discipline to, to keep going and that discipline to also probably you know, you know, you've learned a lot from those early deals and now you're disciplined enough to pass on some of those deals and just be persistent and continue to get the deals that you really want to have in your portfolio. So that all great stuff. And, and of course, I love the, the three pillars, the good offense, the good defense, and then of course, enjoying that process throughout. So really good stuff. I appreciate your time. And, uh, and I don't, you know, what you've brought to our show, how can our listeners get in touch with you, learn about, you know, what you got going on connect. Yeah. I'm on all the, the various social media platforms, LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Probably the best way though, is just our website. Well, if you Google vantage point acquisitions, it, it should be the top, the top listing, but the website is just V P A C Q.com. And uh, there's a variety of tabs on there. Contact us. There's some information about our multifamily mastermind. Uh, but uh, yeah, the best way to connect is just submit um, you know, the contact us form on the website. It comes to, into my email address and uh, we can have a conversation from there. Love it, man. Again, really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. All right. Good talking with you, Todd. Take care. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe, uh, give us a thumbs up, go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to 
more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.